So you are in a hotel room right now. Uh, I'm in a hotel room, and I hope the internet does its thing because right now I'm looking. Oh, it is uploading. I'm looking at yep, the upload. Oh, it's and moving. as soon as okay, he said good. that, so he I'm in a hotel room. I'm on my way to Atlanta. Rachel's with me. We're going to be at Workbench Con, and uh, by the end of today, we'll be in Atlanta. And tomorrow, Workbench Con starts. Tomorrow will be Thursday morning. And we took a leisurely drive yesterday. We got down here. We drove about 600 miles yesterday. And I'm in Roanoke at the moment. Roanoke. Is Roanoke in Virginia? Where's, yeah. I don't even know where Roanoke is. Yeah, it's in Virginia. Yeah. That's a, in like Roanoke, a famous Virginia. place where the people just disappeared. I know. Oh, gosh. What happened? What do you mean? The whole, like, settlement. No, is that Jamestown? Maybe I'm thinking Jamestown. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, oh you're There's talking, about, you're talking about American history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They just disappeared. I thought you were talking about something in the news. I'm like, wait, I missed that story. I didn't miss oh, yeah. that. I like it was this hotel there and all these people got <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I'm in I'm in I'm in an incredible hotel. M- many people must know about this place. I'm in the the Hotel Roanoke. It's incredible. It feels like I'm in Hog Hogwarts. Is that the castle from the <laughs> Is it Warthog? What is the name of that hotel? What is the name of the castle? On Just that? keep trying. I want to hear all the different things that you come up with. Hogwarts? Hogwarts? That's right. Is that it? Is that it? Yeah, I was really hoping. Yeah, that's right. Warthogs. Is that what I said? Yeah, that's better. <laughs> <laughs> it's this beautiful Tudor hotel. And, and there's there's pictures in the... This place must have been here for a long time because there's pictures where the city's empty except for this building. It's really that's cool. what I'm saying. That's where all the people disappeared. At that hotel? Yeah. Mm. I'm just kidding. Hmm. No, so we're we're here. It's a beautiful building. It's a beautiful, and it's like restored, so it looks really nice. Anyway, so we're only going to be here until after the podcast. We'll get breakfast and get back on the road. It's it's nice. And then I did last week. I did. um, I went down to Birmingham, Alabama, and I spoke at a school. I can't remember the name of the school, but it was a, a school in a beautiful little neighborhood right right in Birmingham, right in the outskirts of Birmingham, still in the city limits. And it was so much fun. I talked to probably, I don't know, 600 little kids in three sessions and then one private class with uh, the gifted kids. And it was a lot of fun. It was really, really, really a lot of fun. I don't know if anybody connected to that listens to this, but thank you for having me down there. It was a lot of fun. It was the, the very, very hospitable and all the teachers and, and teachers' aides and volunteers were so sweet to me. So thank you all for that. It was great. It went really well. I built things in front of the kids. I did these cardboard. So we kind of did a mock of the show. So previously, to prepare for my appearance, the kids, they, they polled the kids and came up with ideas for each one of the age groups. There's three age groups. And the kindergartners up to like the sixth graders. And so the kindergartners, the middle range and then the sixth graders all came up with ideas and they they pared it down to three ideas for each age group and i went through with the kids and we designed them on a zoom call with a marker and a pen and i drew them Hmm. so there in person i actually made them out of cardboard and tubes and tape and hot glue and i was asking the kids in the audience okay what should the i made a a turtle race car a french (laughs) toast shooter and a snack robot. So it looked kind of like Rosie the Robot from from the Jetsons with a backpack on it. So I made those three things all out of cardboard for each one of the sessions. And it was a lot of fun calling to the kids and asking them what, what should the face look like and a lot of sports references. I was really surprised a lot of kids were saying, put Air Jordans on them. Put it like on the on the, the figure the figure of the robot. Put Air Jordans on it. I was like I can't believe Air Jordans came out when I was a kid. I mean, so, <laughs> and there's still a brand that that is that ingrained in the consciousness 
So it was, you it was said a lot you of were, Cool. You Go mentioned ahead. you were in a room with the gifted kids. You and I have both talked about um, being in the, the, the slow kids class, remember? Yes, uh, yes, yes, yes. It, I was in the window so, liquor room. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, how how did it feel to be with the gifted kids? Did you did you feel like validated? Like now, nah, see, I belong here after all these years. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No kids. The kids were great, and I must say, you know, it's I, I didn't spend a lot of time with them, but you could tell they're a little weird versus the the regular batch. Yeah. So the gifted kids are weird as much as the uh, the so called troubled kids or whatever the troubles that we would we were labeled with when we were kids but the one thing i did notice and and it's no no disrespect to the teachers there but they were they were a little outside their their range on this concept it was really great concept they wanted all the kids to make an 18 hole golf course for mini golf and the only reason they did 18 because there's that many kids in the session so they did and they were going to put it in the gymnasium and have all the kids and students go through it and it, it was really as a big maker assignment with cardboard and tape and such. But they had limited ability as far as engineering goes. And so did the teacher. So I did a session on how to do engineering. And the teacher pulled me aside and was like, this really cracks open my world. And I was like, if there's anything you need from me, let me know. If there's, you know, if you're having trouble, just reach out. I gave my email and everything. But I helped teach the teacher so then she could then show the kids. And... You know, I, I turned her on to some package design because it's all about package design is really the approach I took because they were all using corrugated cardboard. And I explained to how the corrugation and the cardboard are like columns. <clears throat> you could fold on those columns easier than you could fold across them. If you have to fold across them, you have to you have to put a notch in the material or at least a rubber line. And I did a quick little ramp, how to sh- make a quick ramp out of one layout versus piecing it all together. Because the one thing that the kids lacked the most in all of their models was engineering. They had these like mm. floppy doppy things that were folding in every direction, and they're trying to make channels and elevated roadways and stuff. And I helped them all with that, and uh, that, that that'll get them to at least another level, hopefully. But uh, like I said, no disrespect to that teacher, but she was a little out of her element teaching this engineering stuff. And just a quick little search yeah. would have got her on the right path. And I guided her, and she's. Uh, but it's very ambitious. But like we always say, you got to get outside your comfort zone, and then you'll you'll get to a much better place. Yeah, to uh, speak to that just a little bit, I think a lot of teachers, maybe that one in particular, um, but a lot of teachers, they're teachers, right? They're not engineers, or they're not historians, or they're not whatever. Um, My daughter is in high school, and she is taking an engineering class right now. It's not something she was super interested in, but I kind of convinced her, you know, this would be a thing, an interesting thing for you to try out, even if you don't pursue it, even if you don't. It's, It's something out of your area that you might enjoy. So she took one trimester of this class and it was a lot of kind of like, not not even math, it was a lot of separate stuff that didn't feel like she thought it was engineering. And so she was like, well, the second trimester will be better. And she got a different teacher. And this teacher, poor guy, stood up in front of the class the first day and said, I don't know any of this stuff and I'm too old to start learning how to be an engineer and so I'm going to give you the curriculum, and I'm going to help however I can, but you're kind of on your own. Wow. And she was, my daughter, obviously was like, well, what in the world? Like, I need somebody to teach me this stuff. And 
my first reaction was, man, what a lazy teacher. But then the more I thought about it, like, he's right. Like, you can't ever, uh, one single year, uh, <laughs> is broken up into three trimesters and in each of those trimesters they're teaching six classes who knows what else the guy's teaching they can't learn how to be an engineer enough to and teach I, other I people, did notice you know? I, I do notice when it comes to schools they like put people just so the kids aren't sitting alone yeah so they yeah. do put unqualified people for certain classes simply because they don't have somebody that knows they don't have anybody else yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there's a limited and you know not everybody wants to be a teacher these days it's not the best job when it comes to financial you know, yeah. as far as you do it because you love it, you don't do it because you're going to be rich. Yeah. So, yeah, unfortunately, that's the situation that a lot of those teachers are in. They would even like to help and they just don't know where to start. So that's awesome that you were able to give her like a, yeah, you know, primer on it. Yeah. That's cool. And, uh, well, that sounds like Lisa, a, a fun trip. Yeah, that went really well. And, and I told you guys before we started, I was very nervous because you don't know what you're going to get out of the kids. The little kids were great. They were the best. I've never they seen was... you be nervous. Well, I'm always mm-hmm. nervous. <laughs> really. Well, I mean, you don't we're show gonna it. Talk like about I... things. We're going to talk about things that people don't know about us later on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's one of them. Now, I was... Really? Well, uh, you know, it's almost like fake it till you make it, kind of. But I was nervous because I kind of... I, I did a live session like about a year and a half ago, just when COVID ended. And I lost my place in front of a room full of people. And I had to stop and start over the... The monitor was going faster than I was talking, and, and I didn't know where I was. I was going back and forth on the slides, and I had to just, like, stop and say, guys, I lost my place. I'm going to go back. I'm going to take a minute. I'm going to try and start over. And then, 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 like, the tension broke, and I was able to kind of be more of myself. Up until that point, I was a little nervous, and then the crowd was very cool with me. Uh, but that was an, when that happened, that kind of, like, crippled my confidence a little bit. And oh. going into with the kids... I don't know if I was going to talk to a group of flatliners. I had no idea where it was going to go. But once the kids started being really responsive, like if you have an interaction with the audience, it goes great. When they're just sitting there listening to you and they're like, like you're pitching them new homes or timeshares, <laughs> and <then you're> like, <laughs> that's when it just like flatlines and you just like, you know, you want to get up on the table and dance like the Warner Brothers frog, you know. You don't know what you don't know what to do. So the the first age group was great. The second age group was great. The third age group was the oldest kids. They were more reserved, but they they did open up. They I did crack them a little bit. But at first they were just like sitting there, like listening, like okay, who's this guy? And the the first and then as far as the TV show goes, it's always a huge help when they know who you are. So the the first two groups of smaller kids really knew the show. They were screaming out about making fun. The oldest kids only about. 40% of the audience knew the show and the rest of them had no idea who I was. So that kept the crowd a little bit murmured. But then they opened up when they started when I started making the product which was just tape cardboard and scissors and hot glue. Cool. So um moving ahead at WorkbenchCon, are you are you doing a talk? Are you doing like what do you do or are you I, just I, going? I'm going, and they have me as some sort of fireside chat. I have no idea. You know, like, you go there every year, and they're like, like, I know you've hired me to come here, and I'm not on the list. And she's like, oh, my God, let's figure that out. You know, that happens so far every year I've been there. <laughs> yeah. and, and this is one of those years where it's just like, 
open, like, come, we'll put you somewhere. So I just said, I, do, I no longer want to do the keynote speech. There's too much pressure at this point. Anne is doing the keynote, the, the end of the, the, the wrap-up. I don't know who's doing the keynote, but Anne of all trades is doing the wrap-up again. Last year, she was fantastic. It was such a great, inspiring talk that she did, and she's going to do it again. And I'm on the schedule for doing something. They'll just they'll pick a room and put me in there. And Okay, does that bother you then? Are you nervous about that, not knowing what you need to do? And you can't prepare for it? No, because uh, it's, it's, there's not that much significance put on it. You know, if I was the keynote, I'd certainly be nervous. I'd be working on a, I'd be working on a slideshow and all that stuff. But this time, it's, I'll do a Q&A. I'll talk about you know, my, my upcoming barn project. And, you know, Patrick's there last, a couple of years ago, me and Patrick did a conversation about building the barn together, which was really cool. You know, and the most important thing in all of these shop creations is the electrical supply. So, Talk to Pat, brought Patrick. He's going to have a chat too about electric. My Patrick Reynolds, my electrician, and I'll just I'll take it as it comes. And plus, this is a, a baked in audience. You know, everybody mm -hmm. knows everybody. It's a little bit easier. Yeah. So when I'm in a room full of strangers, that's when the pressure is notched up. I will say though, last time I went to WorkbenchCon, this was a long time ago. Now. Um, I kind of I felt that way, like oh this will be easy because like I know everybody here, like we're all we've all hung out before, you know. And mm -hmm. I did a talk in the big room on the big stage, and when I got up there, I looked out and I knew about five people <laughs> in the room, <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, yeah, whoa, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I know you and you. Thanks for coming. I don't know anybody else, and I wonder yeah. if they know who I am. Like, do I need right. to step it up? That was kind of weird, you know, because I yeah. went into it with the same idea. Um, yeah. But, and then uh, I, I I did a talk at light at the Lightburn conference. Oh yeah, Lightburn's going to be there this week. Excited. Cool. Okay. Um, it, but getting there, like I didn't have any idea who was going to that, other than the few, you know, Bernie and Chad, and there were a few people that I knew going into it. But overall, it was a very different audience. It wasn't it, it wasn't like YouTube content maker people. It was people who own lasers. And so they use them for all different sorts of stuff, totally different, yeah. you know, endpoint. And niche manufacturing was, that don't even watch us at all. Right. Yeah. And so I was getting up there pretty cold and having to talk to people that I didn't know what they were there for or, you know, it was just a very different kind of thing. So I was a little more on edge for that one. But so anyway. Did it go well in your estimation? Yeah, yeah I think so. Nobody left. Yeah. <laughs> you walk, walk the room like comedians do. Actually, somebody did leave, and and that's always and that's absolutely normal. I've left talks all the time, but it is weird to be on stage and you're like doing your thing, and all of a sudden somebody just gets up and walks out, and you're like, oh, <laughs> wait, it gets better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like, I just yell out, I'll, I'll still be here when you get back from the bathroom. I'm sure that's where you're going. <laughs> but, yeah. Anyway, well, it's funny. David, there's, a but there's a comedian. Sorry, uh, who, my brother, my brother, and I used to see together. When somebody would get up and leave, he'd go, "Sir, please don't do that. That's what my parents did to me." Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you just reminded me of that joke. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Dave. Uh, I, I don't. I was just. That just makes me sad. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> well, what have you been up to, David? I uh, I. Uh, I think last week we talked about I needed to make a, a quick little little project so I can get through the end of the month for 
a sponsor obligation. I didn't make the the medicine cabinet with the with the secret compartment, um, but I did make right. a. I've, I've had this. Goes on this, the list. It's on the list. So I've had this uh, tambour mm. bit set for a long time that I've never used. It's one of those like you can create like the the roll top desks with these bit sets, and. It's just been sitting in a drawer, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to use that for something this time. When I was in high school, the instructor, the teacher had us, for the roll top stuff, just had us cut a bunch of slats and then glue that onto an old pair of jeans. And now there's a, a router bit set that all these pieces interlock and creates this little wavy shape. And With no fabric? No fabric, yeah. So basically, oh, wow. it's like uh, it's, there's like a, a a little nub. Uh, oh wow, that's with a little ball in the end, and then it, it interlocks with the other piece, and to create these doors. So I created this. It's a cabinet where instead of like a roll top desk, the doors open from left to right and slide uh, through this oval and open into the back. This is okay. beautiful. Thank you. Wow. Thank you. Is that video out yet? Uh, it, it, it needs to come out by tomorrow. So, <laughs> uh, tomorrow, <laughs> Friday at the latest. So it'll be out real soon. And it, it was, um, it's one of those things like, oh, I finally done it. Now I, that's in the toolbox. I can use that and I can create some interesting things that's outside the normal box. Why did I wait so long to do this? It's another one of those mm. things. Like I got real excited. I bought the router bit set a long time ago and I'm like, I'm going to do this. And then it sits in a drawer. I do that all the time, but I've had it and I was ready to use it. And it was right there. I didn't have to order it. It was just all ready to go. And so well, you plant, you're planting project. seeds, you, yeah. you know, you know, your yeah. pattern. I'm the same way you plant seeds, you buy stuff and you know, you just, you're planting seeds for the future. And then you buy another one of the same thing and another one of the same thing. And then you <laughs> actually use one of them. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you guys should be proud of me. Go, go ahead, Dave, and I'll talk. I was just going to say, sometimes I wonder if um, I'm addicted to buying stuff because there's that, that thrill of like, oh, this is that uh, a, new, a new thing. Like I just got a new teleprompter and the thing is amazing. And I use a teleprompter like once every two months, but I use it for my ad reads. Um, yeah. But I, I saw the video. I'm like, that's ex that solves so many problems for me because I had other cheap ones that uses a phone or an iPad and they're all, yeah. And uh, this one from Elegoo is just, it's amazing. And I, I had to have it. And now that I got it, I tested it out. It works great. How long is it going to sit in the in the closet before I actually use yeah. it? And I, I get I get really excited and I like having these tools. Is that, uh, am I just addic addicted to the, the buying process? I think we all are at this point. It's yeah, I think we all are. Yeah. Because yeah. you can order something on Amazon and it's here later that day or the next day, which is amazing. You know what it's I like bought Christmas every day. 10 minutes before we started? You're never going to guess. Never going to guess. So I did it 10 minutes ago. I bought it from Europe. It's going to come in a couple of weeks. Uh, I have a video to do for Weaver Leather. And, and recently I have my GT200, is a Gran Turismo Vespa 2005, which I used to drive in the city. It's, it was in my, some of my early YouTube videos. And I brought it upstate and I never drove it. And it sits, the tires are locked. It doesn't start, of course. And then last summer I got it started and we got the wheels unlocked from sitting and 
it wouldn't stay running. It wouldn't go past like 20 miles an hour and stall. And so I just let it sit. So now it's even even worse than it was. So there's a local guy who restores motorcycles. He restored my Harley a couple of years ago. And so I gave him, he does mechanical restoration. So he just, he's going to get it this week in a couple of days. He, he lives in my neighborhood and Mike, my, my, my buddy's going to bring it over to him. And the seat is slashed from living in the city. Somebody slashed the seat. So I just messaged with, with Weaver. They're like, Hey, we got an upcoming project. We want to showcase this new leather. It's just like a pebble finish. I was like, now's the time to, cause the Vespa is going to get restored. I'm going to remake the Vespa seat. And I'm like, but it's going to be in store. It's going to be over at the guy's shop. So I went on eBay and I bought for 70 bucks, a cut ripped Gran Turismo seat. So when the seat comes, I'll showcase the, just me fixing the seat in the video. But thanks to eBay, I went straight to eBay, just typed in the model and seat and then there was brand new seats for $250 and then there was this one for 60 bucks shipping was a little pricey but it was ripped too because it was only 60 bucks so it'll be a good showcase so the idea awesome. of just immediately going like solid like I could I could go sneak in the guy's shop and unbolt the seat and take it back but this way I don't have to do yeah. that I don't have to bother him he's very particular this guy he's hmm. he's got an incredibly I'll try and if I when I do the video if he's up for it I'll include him in me going over to his shop and just doing a, a quick little video of what he's doing. But his shop is absolutely meticulous. You ever see like the shops on TV, like Motor Trend and the shops are perfect and they got the painted floors and you're like, no one's shop is like that. This yeah. guy's shop is like that. He's got three motorcycle <laughs> lifts <clears throat> and every tool is like in foam. It's crazy. So, You know, every I'm, time, I'm, well, I'm okay, excited. so two things from that. Every time I see one of those car shops in, in on YouTube or wherever, and there's a bunch of lifts, and it looks super nice in there, and there's cars being worked on on these lifts. And I'm like, I have a barn that has a car being worked on in it, and it looks nothing like this. There's, like, <laughs> rust everywhere, and there's powder everywhere from the body filler. Like, I don't understand. Yeah. So there's something that they're doing that I'm not doing. Maybe they just have a different space. But the other thing I was going to say is it is pretty mind-blowing that we can get access to stuff like that, like that seat. Um, my green Land Cruiser, it's from 1976. Yesterday, I was pulling into the neighborhood and the clutch started feeling very different. And so when I got it back, I, I looked and it was low on fluid. So I put some fluid in it and then I drove it around and it still didn't feel right, but it was keeping the fluid. So I looked down at the, the slave cylinder on the clutch and it was just barely leaking. So there's some seal on the inside of it is bad. This is the original cylinder. So I get on Amazon of all places. I find the OEM 1976 cylinder for $30 and it's going to be here tomorrow. Mm-hmm. That's just crazy. It's mind blowing. Like, <laughs> that's so specific. And it, and it's not like they're, it's, they're all the same. It's a window of like 1974 to 1980 or something that that one works for. It's just, yeah, it's bizarre. And the same thing yesterday, I was building this table and I had these kind of T-bolts that I was using in a track and I made a mistake and then realized I really need those bolts to be, you know, a half inch longer for this to work. Went on Amazon and I found exactly the bolt I needed in the right number that I needed, a half inch longer than what I needed. It's not something I could buy locally. Again, it's going to be here tomorrow. So... Even though it is kind of like a bad thing to buy all the stuff that you want like that, you know, yeah. to be like, yep. oh, yeah, I just need this. It's also very handy <laughs> to be able to yeah. get the thing that you need to move ahead. And 
I'm also a days. very spontaneous worker. Like I, well, mm. I'll come up with an idea and like, I, that's what I want to make tomorrow. And a lot of times, you know, you got to order stuff or you got to make a trip to yeah. a store and get supplies and stuff. It's so nice to have the luxury of, of having materials and bolts and nuts and everything just in a drawer ready to go. Now, do you have, when you buy stuff like that, that impulse, maybe not for a project, but, you know, the, like the teleprompter or something, do you have a threshold, money threshold, where it's easy for you to, yeah, I'm just going to get that thing and I'll, I'll figure out when to use it, or? No, it's more, it, it's it's not really a money threshold. Uh, it's more of a problem-solving threshold. Like, I can recognize, hmm. like, Oh yeah, I don't need another guitar pedal because I have twenty of them over here. Like that just looks cool, and I just saw somebody who's very talented use it, right? Um, <laughs> and it doesn't solve a problem. But when using a teleprompter is a pain point for me. I need to read lines. I need to I need to have bullet points for ad reads or whatever. And the one that I have now, I got to put this ring on the camera, and it doesn't fit right. And it, it, it's I just, use the it's the apps thick. on the phone. Yeah. You just got to make sure you don't see them in your eyeglasses. That's the only problem. Yeah, yeah. And um, so it's kind of like a um, if it feels like it's going to solve a problem or or save time. So I it it's like a, Casey Neistat has this this chart of like when you you can make a video with your phone, and that's like the easiest access to making a video and then the jump to an SLR or DSLR is a huge jump in quality. And then every time a new SLR comes out or every time you buy a new accessory for that, it's just a, it's a small jump and so, but it costs more money. So the it's, but those little conveniences, they, they add up, but they cost more as you get, as you, go further down the line. And so like who knows what the next Sony camera is, but if it's if it's going to save me just a little bit of time or if it's going to decrease a a pain point a little bit, I'm all about it because I want the least amount of friction as possible to making videos and I will spend money on that because it makes cuz it's basically it's a one man operation a couple of days a week, it's a two person operation. And I'm just looking to reduce friction. It, it seems to be my my obsession. Yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, I'm absolutely with you on that. Anything yeah. that will make it easier for me to do what I want to do every day, yes, I would. I would. I have bought many a many a weird connector for camera like this, <laughs> and any little thing that will just make it easier to move from one thing to another. Yeah. But I do have the reason I was asking about the the money kind of threshold. I do find that I have this, <clears throat> and this is the wrong way to do it. I'm not. I'm not saying this is a good idea. I find that I'm willing to throw down fifty, hundred bucks on something that, like, it might be a good idea. It might work. It might. It whatever. Um, and I'll do that pretty easily. But then if something is, you know, two hundred and fifty dollars, I'm like, oh, I should probably think about that. I'll tr I'll try to be an adult and like think through whether that's. But the problem with that is that I will throw down 50, 100 bucks four or five times in a day on <laughs> right. individual little things that, you know. So it's kind of a false uh, threshold, really, for me. 
You reminded me because because I, I buy stuff like this, this weird little connector for this camera, because oh, it's a good idea, and this will help me in this one particular situation when I'm filming yeah. on a 3D printer. Cool. But this has been sitting on my desk since it showed up, so I haven't actually. It hasn't made a difference yet, but I still spent money on it. Is that connector uh, by P yes. J Y T E C? Yeah, those connectors are great. No. Oh no. This is the ripoff version. It's even okay. cheaper. This is by. H e p a i l. <laughs> okay, but they're great because you can just <laughs> quickly move one camera to another tripod and and switch things yeah. out. They do those are I invested some good money in those connectors because it makes life easier. I have multiple tripods, I have multiple little stands or whatever, and I can easily just move the cameras oh, around. That's the little like dark gray plate thing that snaps in. Yeah, is that that one? Yeah. Yes, I have a bunch of those. Those are fantastic. Yeah. This is for the the Ace Pro camera oh, that yeah. little magnetic uh, it's the ripoff version of their connector that goes gotcha, in there gotcha but just so you know it doesn't work as well <laughs> oh that's the problem it doesn't snap in <laughs> you gotta like here watch i'm gonna press really hard see if you can hear it click did you hear it yep. yeah that's oh, even the ace pro Both sides are in now but yeah I had to even the really ace pro hard. is the even the original one that comes with it is difficult to stick and stick the stay in there yeah the you one gotta... that comes with it you just like <laughs> done but yeah anyway i was going to take I, that plate off the bottom of mine I, i'll do it when i get home there's a, it's a couple screws holding that plate in in the bottom of the ace pro and i was going to drill a quarter 20 hole in it because if there was a tap quarter 20 in it i would use it for a lot of things and there's one in the bottom of that new adapter that's why you bought yep. it yep yep it's got a quarter 20 and it has these fold down little tabs so you can put it on you know one of those oh yeah yeah hin hingy dudes um, yeah. And you can use it. The original GoPro one. mount. Yeah. Yeah. But it has quarter 20, and that's actually why I got this one, so that I yeah. can make a mount for the front of my 3D printer. So yeah, it that looks like when I go into a time lapse, I just. That steel plate has. Uh, <clears throat> that's screwed to the bottom of the camera. It seems like there's enough room to get a couple of turns of a quarter 20 in it, so that's what I was going to try and do. Just take it out, drill it, tap it, and put it back in. Hmm. But we'll see. We'll do that when I get back. But I've been loving the Ace, the Ace Pro. It's a great camera. A lot of guys have been using it as well. A lot of guys, a lot of other YouTubers have been using it. So, uh, speaking of this camera, remember we were talking about... Go ahead, David. Go ahead. I was just going to ask. We accumulate all these little things, and some of them are great, some of them are not so great, but they add up over a while. I am part of a couple of local Facebook groups, Toledo Creatives, and then there's some filmmaking ones. And when I have, like, gimbals and stuff and kit lenses and, and things that I don't use. I don't want them taking up space here. And so I usually get rid of them. Uh, I, I probably sell them for cheaper than what they're actually worth, but it's a, I know that they're going to local artists and local creatives. And so if just a, a, a little thing to help you out, if you're part of any local Facebook book groups, it's, it's a great way to get rid of a bunch of stuff. Hmm. I'm not, but that is something I will look into. Um, I use, there's a website called mpb.com. I think that's what it is. And you can buy camera gear there, but you can also trade in and sell camera gear there. So um, what I've been doing over the last year or so is all of the stuff like the old GoPros or the DJI action mm -hmm. cams, the things that I'm not using anymore, rather than them sitting here and becoming more and more obsolete, I sell all those things to this company and they have, you know, really simple. They give you a quote on it and then uh, they give you a shipping thing. You just box it up and ship it to them and then they give you the money for it. 
and you can you can get cash back or you can apply it toward a credit for buying something. So our new big camera that I bought was pretty cheap because I traded in a bunch of old cameras that I wasn't going to use right. anymore anyway. And like their their cages and their stands and their batteries and all that stuff adds up. I've used KEH for that in the past. Okay. Another camera supply used and new. Cool. You Um, know, with all the gadgets that, I know this is all off topic, but, you know, with all the gadgets and everything that we all buy, you know, nobody buys more gadgets than than Jocko. And when he was here with me, I said, and I always follow his 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 lead. Whenever he buys something, I I usually will buy you know the latest D- DSLR he uses. But I I asked him this time around, I'm like, what's the latest? And he goes, I just use my camera now on my phone. That's it. He goes, I just use the GoPro. I mean the uh, the the iPhone. That's it. And he has a he has a little mount that he designed and developed. He'll sell it eventually. But he goes, I just use the iPhone. That's it. He goes, after all fumbling with carrying equipment all around with me, he goes, it's the best, it's the best camera that we all carry all the time. So there you go. So he vlogs mostly now. He vlogs mostly in Italian, his Italian channel. And he says he just uses his iPhone for everything. Hmm. Yeah. That's pretty yeah. impressive because those videos still look great. You know, um, Let's see, what have I been up to? I've been working on... Did I tell you all about the table? I showed you the, the ping-pong table I was yeah. going to make, right? So I don't know if yeah, I talked cool about design. it or if I just showed that. Um, it's a... What do you call it? Not collapsible. Transformable? Shrinkable? Expandable? Expandable? Mm-hmm. Largeable? It's a <laughs> ping-pong table that Custables. will become half its size when you don't need a full ping-pong table. And so... Uh, I started on that a couple days ago and the whole sliding compression mechanism that makes it smaller works great. And so hopefully this week I'll be able to finish that up. Um, that did make me think of something though. You were talking about how David, how nice it is to have hardware and supplies and stuff when you need it. We don't have a place here in town in our small town that sells hardwoods. Big box stores, you know, you can get a few things, but um, we don't have a Kincraft or anything like that here. And for this <clears throat> table, I needed uh, two three-quarter by three-quarter by five-foot pieces of walnut. This is very little walnut, right? There's nowhere to get it here. And so I had to plan ahead enough to be able to, like I found it on Home Depot's website and, you know, like one of their things that you have to order special order or whatever so i had to plan ahead just to have these two walnut one by threes shipped in and they should show you did, up you did mention that you, you did mention that a couple like a week ago that you ordered them i thought that was funny yeah it's just that's a thing that i don't have access to locally we don't have a hardwood supplier and that would make it a lot easier and i think i would honestly use stuff like that more uh, if it was available, but it's just I got to plan ahead so much and yeah. wait on shipping, and it's crazy expensive more than you know just buying it from so and so who has it on the back of their trailer. I'm sure there are some. I mean, I know there are some people locally who have you know rough sawns hardwoods that I could get, but in the moment, tracking that person down to get the piece, the one piece that you need, or right. a truckload of pieces it didn't make a lot of sense doesn't your buddy josh have a, a a shed full of walnut he did i don't know how much of it he has left i oh. should have asked him um <laughs> he's yeah he had a lot of walnut originally 
but I know he's gone through a lot of it and sold a bunch of it. It's, it's funny. Yeah, we were working on this. Because he probably has at least the piece I need. Yeah. <laughs> we were working on this, this, this cabinet, and we were using red oak that I got from a local farmer. It came in big, like two-inch thick pieces, and we were resawing it for all the pieces that we need. And I needed one more piece, and I was out of red oak. And we, I needed it right away. And Home Depot is, is like four minutes from my house. Kencraft is like 15 minutes from my house. I'm like, we're just going to, we're going to go. Uh, and while we're going to Home Depot, we're going to film a Squarespace spot in the car. So Daniel grabs the camera and we film that. And then I'm going into the Home Depot and Daniel's like, hey, you want to film you grabbing some red oak from Home Depot and I'm like no I do not want people know that I'm buying <laughs> hardwood lumber from Home Depot at four times the cost uh, yeah. yeah but I'll just say it on this podcast I'll just say it on nobody's people listening listen to. Ain't, no, ain't nobody yeah, listening right. yeah I Sorry. use the hardwood from Home Depot sometimes just because of the convenience that it's all four-sided nice and smooth and flat it is and if it's a project what? If it's a project that I know that I yeah. have to make shelves or something for a client, I'm like, they don't they don't have any care at all what I'm yeah. making it with. They could care less. It'll make my life easier. Their three-quarter inch red oak is exactly three-quarter inch. Like, it is, mm -hmm. like, it, uh, hmm. it is two size. Yeah. And it's so crispy, you can cut your fingers on the square edge. Um, oh yeah, and the <laughs> cool. I mean, you know what I'm saying? It's like so. Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. But I mean, it's so it's so sharp that you know it's not it's not a big leap to get to a finished looking piece if you're right. in a rush yeah. to make something we have do you all have menards yeah near you? yeah yeah well i don't that's but where I you save big money i see them yeah, yeah you do save big money um menards is great. they I don't do have, have them, a lot of they have like shrink wrapped boards hardwood boards there and so they don't have walnut that's the big thing that if i'm ever going to use a hardwood that's probably going to be the thing that i want to use first and they don't have that. So if I need something else, I'll often go there. And it's pretty reasonably priced. I mean, it's still going to be more expensive than, you know, getting it from the tree or whatever. But um, they have they have a lot of really nicely uh, finished maple and, like, and then stuff I would never use, but they have. Like, they have hickory and they have ash and they have, I don't know, a bunch of other stuff. Um the cool thing about Menards, if anybody has Menards near them, they have the shrink wrap stuff, but then next to that, and those are all fixed sizes, you know, next to that they have kind of an odd-sized thing that is sold by the foot. Not by the board foot, but by the foot. And so it will usually have, I think, two or maybe three finished edges, but not the other one. But it's significantly cheaper if you're willing to get that and work it down to what you need. But, you know, you lose the convenience of, like... I need a one by six that's three quarter of an inch and I can mm -hmm. just unwrap it. There it is. But, mm -hmm. So there is an option kind of, but no walnut. So am I, if, if it's <clears throat> exotic, wood you're looking for? There have been times where I bought exotic planks on eBay from suppliers. That'll send them to you from across the country. So I bought like a five or six foot plank from somebody on eBay a couple of times. And then in my area, I'm, I'm very rural, so there's lots of sawmills. So if you go on Facebook Market, there's tons of guys selling rough cut that they have collected in their barn for various lengths of time. I know there's a barn. Somebody came to me and said, hey, would you be interested in buying this supply? So I went to this guy's house, and the father, I think the father had passed away, and the sons were selling. He had probably 
hundreds of thousands of board feet of white oak in and around the whole barn. And when I asked him a price, he basically gave me a price for what I would pay if it was all cleaned in four sides. So I was like, that's not a very competitive price. I Thank you for showing me. And mm. he sends me a message months later. He's like, you still interested? And I'm like, yeah, it would be if you gave me, I would have to unload this, this stuff in the eaves, this stuff everywhere. So it would be treacherous just unpacking this place versus, you know, it's just a crazy old man with a sawmill that was just cutting wood down and collecting good quality wood. There's hundreds of thousands of linear feet mm. of this stuff in this place. And like, I can't believe the barn is holding up. There's so much wood in it. But if he wants to get rid of it, he's got to sell it for competitive yeah. price. Facebook Marketplace 12 years ago, I mean, you could get walnut <laughs> slabs for like 50 bucks, 75 bucks, and you could find these shedfuls of, of, of wood for super cheap. People seem to know what they have now, and you, yeah. you rarely find good deals anymore. Yeah. There's a house near me being sold locally, and I knew the I still know the owner. I know he still owns the house. And while he was cleaning it out, I, I wandered over and I was talking to him. And he has a huge pallet of wood in his in his garage, <clears throat> and he's going to put the house on the market soon. And I said, "Whose wood is that?" He goes, "Oh, that belongs to my cousin. He just parked it here because he knew my garage was empty." I mean, you would need a forklift to move this thing. I mean, it's two pallets on top of one another, ten feet long, full of wood. So if you looked at the end of the the pile, it's maybe six feet high by maybe five feet, four feet wide, eight feet deep. And it's all different types of exotic woods, like walnut and white oak and maple. And he's like, oh, I'll tell my cousin you're interested. So the guy calls me and I was like, what are you thinking? He goes, I don't know. I did the math and I'm going back and forth. I'm, I think 13,000 13, would be fair. And I just said, okay. I said, we're too far apart. He's like, make me an offer. I was like, no. <laughs> so we're too far apart. 500 bucks. <laughs> and he goes, make me an offer. I was like, no. And so he writes me a few days later. He's like, come on, make me an offer. I was like, we're too far apart. I said, I can get any of that any given time I want. There's no, I can just go to Ghent. I don't need to buy any. Of that. I don't, I don't need to sit on $13,000 worth of lumber. And he said, make me an offer. And I said, $1,000 is the most I'd pay. I said, and I know you're insulted. I said, but that's that. I, the house is going to get sold. What are you going to do with it? You're going to sell it stick by stick? It's been sitting there for like 15 years. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like, so whatever. It's still sitting there. Yeah. <laughs> I see it when I drive yeah. by. <laughs> well, maybe he'll call you at some point and be like, hey, a thousand bucks. I got to move it. So, Yeah. He's yeah. going to put it on yeah, Facebook yeah. market and go meet somebody one stick at a time. I was like, come on. <laughs> so speaking of material, we, we were kind of talking about this before we started recording. I'm curious because I have one in mind. I'm curious if there's a material that you all have never worked with, and maybe that's on purpose, maybe you've just never had a reason to, mm -hmm. an opportunity to. Is there something that you've been wanting to really work with that you just have never gotten to? Mm. You know what I've been thinking about lately, and, and it's it's the high, the ceramics that get baked at, at like cone 10, it's like, those are the ceramics that you make knife blades out of. I haven't gotten there, and I haven't even gotten there with, like, Cone 6. I haven't really been experimenting, but it's it's intriguing. There's that, and then bronze, which I bought all the preparation. Talk about planting mm. seeds. I bought all the stuff to do ceramic molds to pour bronze, which is on my list to do in 24. So that's something I want to work with, and it's a complicated ancient art, and I did it with the bell, and I was able to get some success. And that's something I want to work with, the bronze and then the high-end ceramics to come up with something that looks like super, super hard. So those are two things that come to mind. 
but there's like ancient arts involved in both of them that mm. need to be studied and adhered to. Yeah, yeah. And those are partially a material, but partially a huge amount of like understanding of how it works yeah. and the stuff around getting them to work. And yeah, yeah, interesting. David, do you have anything like that? Uh, sort of sheet metal. I haven't really done anything with sheet metal, and I've always kind of to want to. I think that's going to change here real soon now that I have a plasma cutter and I have sheet cam, the, the software to, to do mm -hmm. some stuff. So I want to get a break so I can bend it. And it's just when you see really good sheet metal pieces, finished sheet metal pieces, it's like, man, I can do that. That looks cool. That would be nice to have. And uh, that's uh, that's the next thing for me. Hmm. Sheet metal. Wait, and then that for like for furniture or for what's the for whatever like I don't have I don't whatever. have any projects in mind except when I when I see like masters at this stuff make like cool little toolboxes with riveted ends and I don't know something about those pieces just they look so cool and it, it's handmade and it didn't come from a store so I don't know what I'll do with it but I'll figure out how to get it into my furniture hmm I have a bender. I have a bender that can bend quarter-inch steel. It's this huge. Whoa. It's a, a, a recent Trump. Recent, recent Trump is a brand name that makes high-end industrial stuff. And I bought this bender used from a friend of mine. And he had to come and deliver it. And it was so heavy. I, I might have done some Instagram stories on it. I never really showed it. But I, it's set up and ready to go. It's a three-phase machine. It'll bend, it'll bend an eighth-inch piece of metal eight feet long. That's like, Man. it's such a piece of industrial yeah. equipment. So, and it's set up and we, me and Patrick electrified it. And I set up this sort of higher, thicker metal shop outside and this, this awning outside my, my commercial shop. And I haven't used it. I did experiment with it once on Instagram, but that's another thing I've been meaning to make either a piece of furniture or a piece of shelving or something. I just haven't had a good project to showcase this equipment where I can bend eighth inch. I could bend like a short piece of quarter inch. I could bend a full eight foot piece of eighth inch, which is unbelievably wow. powerful. This machine can do that. So I'm excited to play with that. It's something I want to play with once it gets warmer out because all this equipment is outside. It's covered with a roof, but it's open walls. I mean, my first thought so is getting some like a eight foot long piece and you, you bend it into like a 90 degree or even further than that, then you can cut those pieces and turn each one of those into a leg and, um, or like a, like a protective edge for, for, for what, like, a, I think there's a lot of cool uses mm -hmm. for that. Yeah. I just, I, I haven't found a, like a, I haven't thought of a good, decent project. I want to do a process. I want to take plasma cut the eighth inch steel and then take it to the bender and bend it up into a shape. Kind of like package design on a, on a industrial level. So that, that's a project I want to play with. Making a, a sheet metal airplane, paper airplane. <laughs> that, that'd Ale be fun. Alex Steele did that. Did he? That would be crazy. That's of course he did. did. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he did. He made, uh, I think it was like maybe four or five feet long. Huh. I think it was Alec. I'll have to look that up now. Um, so the reason I was asking about this is because I have for a long time have wanted to do and Jimmy you've done this a million times and I know it's not like a like a an outrageous material it's just something I've never had a reason to mess with is sculpting from the big pink insulation foam 
that you know it gluing mm-hmm. up into a giant block and then sculpting yeah. something down i don't yeah. have any sculpture experience and so doing that kind of subtractive work it is probably not i just don't know the mechanics of it like i don't know that it would be that yeah. hard to get to the thing that you want to get to but i've never had to think that way so i don't really i'm not exactly Did sure you have a drawn from life shapes and have you ever drawn from life? Yeah. Do like a still yeah, life cool. sketch? Yeah. yeah. So it's it's very much the same thing. That's kind of the this is the mechanism I use when I when I have to sculpt something. I use this the object I'm copying, whether it's an image or something, and I use all the different scale uh indications in that drawing. Like if the if the nose is X long, how many noses is the whole entire head? And if the mouth is X wide, how wide is it compared to the eyes? So I constantly am making all those reference points so that when I scale it up, I'm like, okay, the nose is now six inches. And if that means that the head has to be, you know, six times five, it has to be 30 inch high head, you know, whatever those numbers are. So that's how I do it. And that's always what I was, that's what always what I would do when I, if I was ever going to draw from life. You make like, you know, the width of the, if I'm drawing, I'm looking at a coffee cup. So the width of the cup feels a little bit narrower than the height of the cup. And, you know, you start making those reference references, especially when you're sculpting. And it's, Hmm. it's, it's not easy. (laughs) You start going down a path and you look and you're like, I have to cut the whole entire cheekbone off and add a different cheekbone. And then, you know, or, and that's why you have the spray foam in the can to add. Oh, okay. Yeah, because that that was one thing. I, I mean, I haven't looked into this at all, but that is one thing. I'm like, how do you put this back? I mean, I guess you could like glue a section back on or something. You like, can, yeah, yeah, yeah. The spray foam, this foam in the can is good because it cuts at the same consistency as the the foam itself. So if you're going to glue the foam together, I usually use spray glue because you don't feel the spray glue when you're carving. But if you use yellow glue, for instance, or like an Elmer's or or Typon. Not only does it take a really long time to dry because the moisture goes nowhere, the material doesn't suck the moisture out of it, but it becomes another element to carve through where if you're carving with wood, wood is harder than the glue, so you don't notice the glue. But if the material is softer than the glue, you're carving and the whole time you're like, Mm. and especially when you go to sand through those joints, you're trying to sand over those glue joints. And if it's a harder material than the the styrofoam, all the glue joints will, will stand out versus the material around won't sand at the same at the same rate so i always spray glue those big soft edges together or i use the spray foam in between them which is something we've done on the tv show and in the buddha head video that i did because that'll carve at the same same rate as the styrofoam itself and sand the same it's even difficult to to use to use bondo and resin on that unless you're going to put a skin on it then that skin will sand there's a different ratio okay well, so that's that's the next thing is I've I've never done foam sculpture in that way, <clears throat> and I don't think I'm thinking like the Buddha head or like a face or an organic shape. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking more right. of building some big geometric thing, you know, a piece that's of even furniture easier. or something. Yeah, that's yeah. even easier but because it, then you could fiberglass it real easily. Well, so that was my next thing: fiberglass to cover it to have a hard shell around the whole thing that you could so you could sit on it or whatever. Yeah, I've never done fiberglass. And so that's, that's a whole nother, I mean, I've, I tried one time and as soon as I started doing it, I'm like, I am ill prepared for how this is supposed to work and how I'm supposed to, you know, so I don't really count that as having done it cause it didn't work. 
But I think those two things together are both uh, new for me, and I know that the fiberglass would be a stretch for me. So I, I'm trying to come up with uh, a project that would take advantage of both of those, but I want it to be something pretty big. And I'm also at a point where I'm like, if I make a big thing, I have to put it somewhere, and I'm running out of room to put big things. So I don't really know. Maybe I should start small um, and, and get through the those two materials, you know, get something under my belt with those two materials that's not really big. Maybe I should go about it that way. But mm. That's easy. It's, it's, it's actually fun. It's messy, but it's easy to work with once you get it. So when you do it, you got to put, you got to have like rubber gloves and an area that's going to get, you know, that's, that's the day you're going to get epoxy on your cell phone, on your ear, on your nose, you know, this, one of those type of things. Yeah. So you just got to keep a clean, decent work area and then a lot of paper or plastic around. Um, one material, it's not, not a new material, but I want to experiment this year with scale. <clears throat> and I have a chunk of material that, I was at the lumber yard one day, and there was this huge chunk of wood at the at the sawmill I go to, and it's twelve by twelve by eight feet long. And I said, "Whoa!" And he goes, "Oh, that's a, a chunk of oak. I think it's white oak." He goes, "Yeah." I go, "I want one of those." I go, "How much is that?" He goes, "That two hundred and fifty bucks." He goes, "But we have to make you one." He goes, "That that's already going to somebody." So they made me one, and I got it, and it's sitting in my backyard, and I can't move it. It's like thousand pounds. It's a twelve by twelve, eight feet long of white oak. And wow. I keep thinking, what am I going to do with it? It's sitting there. I could obviously stick it near the fire pit and make it a chair. It'll be just a bench sitting on the grass. But I, it, now it's all weathered because it's been outside. So it went from being this beautiful, shiny, fresh-cut piece of wood to being black. But if I brought it inside, I'd have to move it with the backhoe. It's so heavy. If I brought it inside, set it up on some blocks, and I was thinking about carving a chain link out of it. So just putting one chain link in the middle, so like one half mm -hmm. is linked to the other half. So the two ends would come together and just make just a piece of art out of it. Yeah. Just a piece of sculpture. And what would I do with it? I don't know. But it's just going to be a big piece of art that you can't move. So that's something I'm going to bring into the shop. I, what I want to experiment with in my older age is just doing more art for art's sake as opposed to making things that have to always have a function. The, and maybe that could ride the line between art for art's sake and things that can function. Well, the, that could still be a bench in a beautiful house. The yeah. individual chain links, the individual links could be seats maybe. So maybe mm -hmm. the whole thing moves and you can, you can make a, a seat that curves around a, a fire pit or whatever. And each link is. Oh, a, that's a interesting. Seat. Cause I was just thinking of like one half and the other half, but if we did three of them, that's a cool idea. I was just going to do like one half like linked like this. And so you'd have the big chunk of natural dirty wood oh, yeah. and then the other half. And then all the carved part would be around the link. But if I did that three times, that would be cool. So then it's like boom, boom, boom. And you can have like a conversation with three people versus mm -hmm. two. We'll see. That's actually cool. I like that. So that's something now that I, I it's been in my notes. But now that we talked about it, maybe I'll, I'll. And I walked past the wood the other day. I was like, I better do something with that before it starts to get spongy because it's sitting on oh, the dirt. Yeah. It's been there for about four months. I got it just before so the winter started. You said it was eight feet long? Yeah. So that would be hard to get three butts on. But you could also, like, uh, if you imagine splitting it into four sections and you just put the links on the last two and made them actually flexible so that you could fold them under. So you could have mm. the two on the ends be a leg linked to the cross piece that you would actually sit on and it'd be like a two-person seat. But the whole thing was. You gotta send me a sketch. <laughs> okay, 
I'll sketch it. <laughs> I'll show you right now. So, like, again, not, not necessarily idea. dealing with material that I don't know, but dealing with material in a bigger scale that I'm more yeah. comfortable with, that I'm not comfortable with. So, you know, that's, that, if that answers your question, Bob, yeah. Yeah. How, how often do you guys feel comfortable and you're like, oh, I need to push myself a little bit? Because I think we all, it's like a, like a stair step saying, oh, there's Bob's sketch. Oh, uh, yeah. So, yeah. oh, I see what you're saying. Oh, yeah. So it goes down and then becomes a little bit higher. Yeah. yeah, like they become feet, legs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. <clears throat> um, cool. I mean, I. Hmm. I think of that. I think day. even if I'm comfortable, I always try to add in something that makes me uncomfortable. Yeah, and I, well, I don't think I do that on purpose. I think I just naturally right. do that. You know, like the this table with the the ping pong thing. I, when I think about it objectively, I'm like, I mean, it's plywood and. It's easy. It's just a bunch of rectangles and, you know, no big deal. And then I go, well, yeah, but I should make it slide. And if I make it slide, then it has to hold its own weight on both parts, but they have to work together and you can't move one without the other. And you have to be able to move them both together. And, you know, it's like I I complicate it, I think. And the complication is the challenge. Yeah, yeah, I get that. Uh, I don't know that that's a good thing, mm. necessarily. <laughs> I, I, I just go through little little phases. I got the vacuum press a year or so a couple years ago and it's like four projects in a row we're using the vacuum press and, and curve bending and laminations and, and stuff and um you know i don't know what my obsession is now but i'm sure i'll, I'll start a new one well i've just done two yeah. projects in a row with no 90 degree joints so maybe uh getting outside the box is my current obsession yeah, yeah. I, I mean, but you're you're going, you're picking a path on any of those things, and you're exploring down it more than a single step. Yeah, like if you did, you know, four bent laminations, that's great. That, that's good because you get a deeper knowledge of that process than just doing it one time. You do it a few times, and you start to understand it, and then it's in your pocket for whenever you yeah. want to integrate it with something else. I don't, I don't do that. I probably should, but I don't follow a path very far. You know. In one sitting, like I'll I'll do a project that's about this, and then I just move on to something totally different, rather than doing an, an iteration or taking it one step further or something. I would probably get better at things if I did that. I think this conversation has got I've got a lot of good ideas. I can't say them yet. During <laughs> <laughs> this, I keep you see me grab my phone. I'm putting it on the list. That's awesome. I thought you were just having a conversation with somebody else that was more interesting. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Cool. Well, any other thoughts on materials? New new things? I mean, we'll always be able to talk about this. Yeah. But I'll take that as a no. All right, Jimmy's still yeah. texting somebody <laughs> else having he's, no, no, he's doing I'm, a text only podcast my, with somebody else. I'm writing my idea down. <laughs> I've been uh, big thanks to our Patreon supporters who make it possible for us to do the show even though Jimmy's in a hotel room. Thank you. That noise was from him to you. Big thanks to everybody at Patreon. Uh, Thank you. Especially our top supporters. Super grateful for this group. They always, uh, they've been around for a long time and they always support. That's Crabtree Creative, Michael Menegin, Warren Works, Jeff at the New Janky Workshop, Scott at Dad It Yourself DIY, Sean Beckner, Odin Leather Goods, Rich at Low End Designs, Chad's Custom Creations, Chad for Mancrafting, Works by Solo, Albers Woodworks, Corey Ward, and Nick Ryan. I haven't done my radio voice in a while. I should like do one of these full 
full radio. Yeah. Welcome to the morning zoo. Uh, big thanks to everybody over there. Not just not just them. Everybody that supports at every level. We are very grateful. And you all get the after show. I say that like it's a surprise. They know that already. But everybody over there gets the after show. So if you want to get the after show, you can go to patreon.com slash making it and support us at any level. Mm-hmm. You get the after mm-hmm. show. Mm-hmm. Also, I don't, we don't talk about this very often, but this show is both in audio and video, and the after show that they get is also in audio and video. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. whatever your preference is, you can mm-hmm. you can listen, see us, or if you don't want to see us, I get it, mm. and you can just listen. Mm. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. You guys have anything to recommend this week, Dave? You got yeah. anything? I'll go uh, next. So there's this guy, his name is Jay Alto. He's a thumbnail expert for the stars. Uh, he has a YouTube channel, and it's not about thumbnails. It's just more about kind of like little little life lessons. It's a very, And his YouTube channel is pretty small. It's only got 6,500 subscribers. But uh, some of his recent titles is Five Steps to Unlock Zen-Like Focus, how to cure your YouTube addiction, the problem with authenticity. It's just a really good short, like the little five minute long videos. And uh, uh, I, I always pick up a, a little life nugget watching them. What's his name? Jay Alto. Life nugget. Cool. Got him. Jay Alto. All right, Jimmy, what you got? I was just going to say go follow Jenny Bauer. If you guys don't know Jenny Bauer, she makes the – she does etching on all types of material. Can you guys hear me? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh Uh-oh. Can you guys hear me now? Yep. Yeah. Still can hear you. Okay. Uh, it's saying having communication yep. issues. But Jenny Bauer and I did a trade this week. I gave her one of my leather bags and she, and she, she, uh, you guys hear me okay? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. If you, guys are <laughs> I don't know. you can't hear us at all. Jimmy's got that hotel Wi Fi. He's, he's losing connection. Yeah. He paid for an hour. <laughs> it's over. Just keep losing. Keep, oh, God. Okay. Um, I don't know why it's going that way. Anyway, check out Jenny Bauer. Her and I did a trade, and I gave her a bag, and she asked what would I want from her, and she etched a Zippo for me, and I'll show you in the after show. I'm going to show it this week. I'll get it at WorkbenchCon. I'll see her. But she etched me a beautiful Zippo. It's on her Instagram now. She, she has it on her Instagram. But, yeah. So check out Jenny Bauer. She's such a sweetheart. Cool. Um, I've never met her. I feel like we've been at some of the same events and stuff, and – know a lot of the same people, but I don't think I've ever actually met her. She's incredibly talented. Mine is a channel. So I was asking a few weeks ago on Instagram or somewhere about um, uh, graffiti. Like, how do you learn how to do graffiti? Not because I wanted to learn how to do it. I mean, that would be cool. But I was more curious of just, it's it's an interesting compounding of skills. And I'm curious how someone gets to the point to where they can do really impressive graffiti. Just what do you have to learn to stack up to make that? One of the recommendations from somebody was this channel called Smo Nova. I guess that's the guy's name. I don't really know. I've never looked into it that much. I mean, I've watched a few of the videos, but um, really cool stuff. And he teaches a lot of things. But one of his newest videos, he 
is selling a graffiti um, alphabet, and so it's la- it's these panels of laser cut graffiti letters and a little stand that is multi leveled, and so you can lay out and overlap these graffiti letters and build your own little sign with his style type. It, it's a really cool idea. It's really simple, but it's very specific to a an aesthetic and to you know his. I would assume he came up with those letter shapes. Hmm. But it, it's just a cool idea and something I never would have thought of. Um, but he's also just really talented at doing that type of art. So I like that. So I'd like to see that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like panning out here a little bit. I'm just having some internet connection problems. Yeah. I mean, I can hear you now. You're back. So Good. Cool. Well, you guys got anything else for this week? That's it. Oh, uh, that's it. That's it. Now I'm going to okay. go carve my giant chain link. That's not going to do that fast track that. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. And we'll catch you next Later. time. Thank you. Bye.